0: Good afternoon and welcome to the March 7th, 2012 edition of CNI Conversations. I'm Cliff Lynch, the Director of CNI, and I'm joined by our Associate Director, Joan Lippincott. Today on CNI Conversations we're doing a preview of our upcoming Spring 2012 membership meeting, which is going to be held April 2nd and 3rd in uh, Baltimore. And I just want to say for those CNI member representatives who are uh, listening to this, it is not too late to get your registration in if you've not done so. And I certainly hope that um, after hearing some of these highlights uh, if you haven't registered you will uh, um, you will either be feeling sorry about it or uh, you will uh, do so. Um, I want to stress that there are some forty breakout sessions in play give or take at this meeting. Um, Joan and I are not going to put you through a description of each one. They are all up on the website. You can find abstracts. Um, There are many, many fabulous sessions. Um, I just want to mention a relative handful of these sessions that I want to put a little particular context around or um, that I want to highlight for one reason or another here. don't, don't feel that this is even a um, systematic exposition of all of the highlights of our meeting, but rather a sort of an idiosyncratic tour through um, some of the particularly interesting briefings. Um, Before uh, talking about um, breakout sessions though, I do want to note that we've got a keynote that I'm very excited about opening the meeting. Um, Jim Duderstadt, the President Emeritus of um, the University of Michigan and a um, great leader in thinking about the future of the research university and the ways in which the Information technology revolutions of the last um, uh, couple of decades and presumably the coming couple of decades are reshaping research institutions. Um, I think he's going to have some um, very thought provoking things to tell us and I'm really looking forward to hearing his latest thinking about a number of these issues. Um, in terms of sessions, a couple of things that I want to highlight. Um, James Hilton, who's the CIO at the University of Virginia, is going to do a talk about the digital preservation network that he is starting to um, plan and uh, build out. This is quite a um, uh, significant and um, Uh, large-scale undertaking that um, really, as far as I know, is the first time that there's been an attempt to really build a very um, large-scale data preservation or digital preservation um, system coming directly out of the university world as opposed to being driven for example by science agencies and he will talk about the architecture and the strategies that accompany this. Um, This has not received a lot of public exposure yet although it is uh, I think gaining some considerable traction among the um, research library community but um, this will I think for many um, uh, people be their first opportunity to really Get the facts about um, about where this initiative is headed. We have an interesting session from Johns Hopkins University uh, on a feasibility study for an NSF uh, open access repository. Um, The reason I think this is so interesting is that there have been a number of discussions in play about essentially extending the NIH open access mandate for federally funded um, research to NSF and potentially to other agencies. Um, when NIH made the mandate for NIH-sponsored research, um, it was easy to tell people what to do because PubMed Central was already there. Um, there is no PubScience Central in um, a non-existent National Library of Science that um, might fill the same role across other disciplines, and um, so it's it's uh, it's clear that. Some other thinking is necessary if we're going to um, extend open access mandates beyond NIH-sponsored research. And this is the beginning of a look at some of those options and I I think is one that is timely and will be helpful in some of our thinking. We've got a series of... um, of sessions, as has been the case in um, in recent years, dealing with various aspects of data management plans and um, uh, broader policy issues around um, scientific um, and scholarly data management. Of particular note, um, Jose Marie Griffith of Bryant University and a a member of the National Science Board is going to come and talk about her um, the report uh, that she chaired the production of uh, that the National Science Board has come out uh, um, with on um, uh, the preservation and access Um, issues involved in scientific data. This report, you'll recall, came out around the end of 2011, um, around uh, December 30th, if my memory serves, actually, and uh, there was a brief call for public comments, and um, I think that it will be very helpful to hear from her where the National Science Board goes from here on this report now that the report is out. Um, I have a few other sessions uh, that I want to just mention in the data theme. Um, One is an update on the multi-institutional project to develop a data management planning tool. Uh, This is an interactive tool that you can give to um, prospective uh, principal investigators who are preparing data management plans as part of grant submissions, and that can be tailored to some of the specific offerings at different institutions. Um, uh, We saw an earlier presentation on the beginning phases of this at a previous meeting, and um, now this work has moved ahead substantially. Um, I think this will be of wide interest to institutions looking at strategies for um, how to better support uh, their researchers in preparing grant applications. And one other I'll just mention because I'm going to be doing it myself, is um, there'll be a session giving a brief um, introduction and update to the activities of the National Academies Board on Research Data and Information, which I have just, as of the beginning of this year, taken over a term as uh, co-chair of. Um, so um, uh, those who are interested in that um, can uh, find out about what we're up to on the board. I'm going to turn it over to uh, Joan at this point and I want to be clear by the way that even in the data management area I haven't given you a comprehensive tour. There's. So- considerably more there, some of which I'll come back to later. But I do want to turn this over to Joan at this point to highlight um, a few sessions that uh, I think um, she is uh, as excited as I am about.
1: Thanks, Cliff. In these uh, days when university libraries commit so much of their resources, and by that I mean time Energy and money to license digital content. I sometimes wonder whether our broader cultural heritage is um, losing out. And so, it's really gratifying to see a couple of proposals that show that our higher ed institutions and and other uh, cultural heritage institutions are being c- very creative in how they approach um, some different. Types of content. One of the sessions I think many people will be very interested in is on archiving the born digital content from the Occupy movement, uh, otherwise uh, some known in, in part as the Occupy Wall Street movement. And it's a really interesting group of presenters for this session including Howard Besser and David Millman from NYU and also Sharon Leon from the uh, Roy Rosenzweig Center for History and New Media at George Mason University and Christine Hanna from the Internet Archive. So will hear a variety of perspectives and get up-to-date on what they're doing to um, preserve some of this compelling content. A session that should really be fun will be the University of California Santa Cruz session on building the Grateful Dead archive online, and Ginny Steele, the university librarian, and Robin Chandler will be presenting in that session. And so not only will the digital library for the Grateful Dead include um, a lot of posters, uh, fan mail business records, photographs, uh, audio oral histories and interviews and uh, and some artifacts some physical artifacts but in addition they're going to be developing a strategy for collecting resources from the crowd from the general public and so they'll discussing uh, they'll discuss how they intend to approach uh, that. So I think uh, Grateful Dead fans uh, this is a must uh, must view. On a more serious note, Many of us have benefited from the studies undertaken by Ithaca SNR on faculty use of libraries, research materials, scholarly journals, databases, and other resources uh, in the digital environment, and how they... Uh, view the relative importance of various types of library collections and services. Um, in a recent study, which will be presented by Jennifer Ruttner and Roger Schoenfeld, they'll describe their initiative. Um, that's called research support services for scholars and they're doing one initially in history and one in chemistry the session at cni will report on findings from interviews with 40 academic historians and 20 research support professionals who work with them and i think that we'll all uh, learn some things and bring some new perspectives from our work from their study I also want to mention two stellar sessions on teaching and learning. We have two of what I think of as some of the best presenters on teaching, learning, and technology at this conference. Gardner Campbell, who's currently at Virginia Tech, is going to do a session on networks and the paradox of the active learner. And he's been teaching a course actually at three institutions on the development of information and communications technology from the onset from Memex to YouTube. So they start by reading Vannevar books, and end with readings uh, from Tim Berners-Lee. He has taught this um, course with undergraduates, graduate students, and even faculty and staff. And we'll find out about how he's approaching this topic, um, design of the uh, sessions, and what outcomes and lessons he's learned uh, from these various audiences. And finally, our closing keynote will be by Phil Long, who is currently Professor of Innovation and Educational Technology in the School of Information Technology and Electrical Engineering um, at the University of Queensland in Australia. And many of you know Phil from his uh, uh, long-term positions at MIT. Phil is going to give us a really wide-ranging talk on the underpinnings of uh, data uh, uh, from neuroscience, cognition, and memory research, and how that informs how we approach pedagogy and teaching and learning today. He's going to tackle such topics as lectures, um, collaboration, um, the kinds of learning environments that we are developing for our students today, and also he'll address some of the new massive online courses. Uh, It should be a really exciting presentation covering a lot of ground, and we'll look forward to hearing his presentation and having an opportunity to have a dialogue with him uh, during the discussion afterwards. So I think this is going to be a terrific meeting, and I look forward to seeing you there. Back to Cliff.
0: Thanks, Sean. Um, I'm just going to mention a couple of uh, final sessions. Um, One of the conversations that's been happening at CNI over the last couple of years is how we essentially pay for storage across time or how we budget it. And um, those of you who've been attending our meetings or following some of the um, video and other materials we've put out will recall a presentation from Serge Goldstein at Princeton about their service and uh, a very detailed look at the issues here by uh, David Rosenthal um, in recent meetings. Um, Um, This time we're going to have um, Steve Abrams um, from the California Digital Library fill us in on some of the analysis and work that they've been doing on developing a prepaid (coughs) model for long-term preservation. Um, One of the things that I worry about from time to time as I look at a universe where (coughs) most of the material is available now under site license but through institutions is (coughs) what happens to people who don't have an institution? Um, What about independent scholars? What about folks who are retired? I think, in fact, about the very, very real problems I would have finding the um, access to the information that I need to do my own work if I wasn't fortunate enough to have um, an affiliation as an adjunct professor at the University of California at Berkeley. And this is an issue that um, we don't really have a good sense of the scope of. JSTOR has done some very interesting things within the last year, opening up access to um its, um, its database to um, different user communities and under different kinds of terms and conditions than we've historically seen with most scholarly databases and they're going to share some results with us which I think will be quite interesting and um, I wonder if they won't raise some um, intriguing, broader questions about provisions that we should be thinking about as a society for opening up access to material that's currently inaccessible to um, certain sectors of our uh, society. The last um, session that I want to mention, and I want to I mention it in part because uh, people may want to do a little advanced reading, is a, um, a breakout that David Weinberger from Harvard University, um, Harvard University's Berkman Center has agreed to do. Um, David was coming as part of a team to talk about the uh, work that's being done on the platform that is going to underlie the Digital Public Library of America effort. And um, he's recently written a very interesting book called Too Big to Know about the nature of knowledge in the networked environment. Um, Some of you may have read it. Um, I think it's quite an interesting read. Um, And I asked him if he would be willing to... um, Uh, do a breakout briefly outlining some of his thinking there and giving people an opportunity to talk with him about some of those ideas as well. And he uh, graciously agreed to uh, do that in addition to the other presentation he was doing. So um, those of you who are interested in some of his thinking about the nature of knowledge and information in the networked environment uh, may want to take this as a uh, kind of a special opportunity to um, talk with him about some of those ideas um, in um, in a breakout sort of a setting. So those are a few of the highlights that I wanted to um, uh, tempt our, um, our, our listeners with today. And um, Joan and I look forward to seeing many of you um, on April 2nd at the uh, membership meeting. Uh, we'll look forward to also to uh, talking with you on our next CNI Conversations. Thanks for joining us.